Welcome to episode 52 of The Process, Champion. Welcome to episode 52 of The Process. I am Amante Martin. And I am Quavon Taylor. Today we have Willie Farrell on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Willie. Hey, man, thank you guys for having me, man. Always great. Where you from, Willie Farrell? Um, I'm from a place outside Tallahassee, man. I uh, I say Tallahassee, Florida, but I'm from Waysboro, Florida. I'm a country cat, man, from the country. Um, but Tallahassee, Florida, you know what I'm saying? What was it like growing up there in the, in the country like that? I'm from I'm a city boy. The country is different. You kind of get every, you get the best of both worlds. You grow up with a lot of, you grow up with the same same aspect as someone from the city. But I guess more so, um, just like everybody family oriented, we just we just have a little few things different. The city stuff, you have more delights and everything. More of us in the country, we enjoy more of the natural living. We see the stars more. We enjoy more so the uh, natural habitats, the animals, and everything. But it's pretty much the same thing, man. I lived in the city and the country, so it, both of them great. So, so growing up in um, Tallahassee, uh, at an early age, what what did you find your interest in? Of course, football. Being from Florida, man, you gotta love sports. You gotta love football. That's like the main sports, football and track. So it's always football, but I always loved to fight because I, I had to find my way when I was younger. Of course, I had my brother, but I had to find my way. Um, my family always grew up a fighter, so it was always boxing inside of the family, no matter if it was during the weekends, weekdays. Go to my uncle's house, it was always, you had to fight your next cousin, just had to learn how to box. Um, so that's kind of the way of life that we, we grew up on, but I always was big on football. That was my first dream, that was my baby, football. So tell me a little bit about football. Um, you played a little football. So what position did you play? You know, how did you engage in it? What brought you into the world of football? My first 23 years of life, I always followed everything that my brother did. My brother John, um, my late great brother John Pifero. I followed everything that he did. No matter if it was football or anything, I always followed everything that he did. Um, and but people don't know that I was in gymnastics when I was growing up. I, I do a lot of flips. Like my brother, he was huge into gymnastics. He was actually in the Olympic trial, but he just stopped. He didn't want to do it no more um, because a lot of the quote-unquote race 
narcissism that uh, that he, he saw a lot in. So he wanted to do football so that we can be together more. So, but I did gymnastics as well, um, just like my brother. So I did gymnastics always up to I was like the age of 13 uh, with the flips and everything. So, but um, it got into football. Love football. Football is a one of a kind. Ray Lewis, favorite player. Um, my brother, favorite player was Ed Reed. So I kind of got into football and it kind of really where I found my identity to who I was as a person. Um, and then I changed from my nickname to Willie Farrell. Um, I got the confidence to be who I am. I think yeah. uh, the first time I met you and John was at a Billy Joe camp, long time ago. Billy Joe uh, camp, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, remember, I remember the Farrell brothers. Y'all was all over yeah. the field, man. Yeah, uh, man. I want to I ask, you know, when did you start to take football serious? Crazy, right? I was in seventh grade. I was in sixth grade when I first started playing football. But seventh grade, when I started, I moved up to varsity because family DRS was K-12. My brother, John, always taught a talent in me. So no matter what, like even during school, he got me to a point where I was, I was always focusing hard. My brother made sure I was mentally strong. So I, my mental strength was like the first thing day one. I got serious into it because I'm very competitive. No matter what it is, I'm very competitive, extremely competitive. Um, I, when I tell you extremely competitive, only people I don't compete with is my nieces. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm extremely competitive, like it's bad. But yeah, I, I got into that and I knew I, I knew that was the route. I knew that was the route for me, especially at the time of my life. I knew football was the route for me. You know, once you start to take football series, you know, you in high school, you know, what what schools were you looking at? school. So, listen, right, I don't brag on myself. Only school that I was uh, fortunate enough to be the number one linebacker come out of the country uh, my senior year of high school. Only school that did not offer me a scholarship was University of Ten uh, Texas and Texas A&M because Texas Jews don't recruit outside the state of uh, Texas. Mm. So I was number one linebacker coming out of college. I mean, out of high school, um, but I chose Ole Miss. I committed to LSU in the ninth, 10th grade when they offered me. And I signed with Ole Miss on Sunday because uh, the coach from LSU at the time was Jimbo Fisher, my recruiting coach. I told him I, you know, I signed at a young age, so I told him that I wanted to go look at other schools. He told me the only thing I'd be able to do is play special teams. I'm a very arrogant, and com when it comes to sports, I'm very arrogant and competitive because I work so hard. Um, and I really don't like to say arrogant, I'm, I'm confident. So when someone tells me there's something I can't do, I'm gonna prove them wrong. So I made sure I signed with Ole Miss because we was in the conference, and just to show him up. So I did that, and of course, because just the thing I majored, I majored in international business and minor in finance. So I was um, fortunate to, to choose another school like Ole Miss um, or whatnot. So it was pretty decent. What was that transition like going from Tallahassee to uh, Oxford, Mississippi? John was trash, dog. <laughs> it was trash. I'll be honest with you, it was trash. It was one of the most racist places I ever experienced. But it was a life experience. It was a great experience for me. It made me the man who I am today. It let me realize that I needed to be back home with my brother John. Um, and I thank God that I had the mindset that I had. So I went to Ole Miss for a little bit and transferred back to FAMU, which I think was the best decision in my life. And what was it like, you know, growing up? Like I said, I met you at the Billy Joe camp. You had to be at least 10, 11 when I met you. Yeah, I was so, a kid. 
So going from the Billy Joe camp to now you you know you wearing the orange and green on the hill, you know what I'm saying? How did that feel? So a lot of people don't understand, I'm a very emotional person. Um, and me and my brother dream was always to be at FAMU. John always just said he wanted me to be the defensive player of the game, defensive player of the year, and you know, have something extreme or extravagant that I would do in the game to capture the win. And like I said, I'm a very emotional guy. So um, during the game, I was defensive player of the game. I had a game tackle, win tackle, and a homecoming to win the game. Defense player of the year. Um, broke the freshman record with tackles. So during that game, it was so crazy. Everybody was wondering why I was very teary and crying because it was the moment that me and my brother shared. And we said, okay, when we come back, I come back to Tallahassee, that's the moment we're going to live. And everything came true. Um, so it was, it was, it was unreal just to see the dreams come true because a lot of times people's dreams don't come true. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, unreal and it was overwhelming. And uh, it brought, uh, brought a lot of joy to my life um, to capture one of them dreams. So it was, it was, it was great just, just to be in the orange and green, man. Just a dream, especially playing at FAMU DRS. Uh, FAMU High just to go to Ole Miss to somebody who was always looked at who would never be nothing and, and done that stuff and, and doing that what I was doing. It was great for me. Especially it was great for my brother just to see my brother happy for me. Um, that's the only thing I ever wanted, just to see my brother John happy. Um, no matter what the situation was, and John always loved for me to be happy. No matter if it was my body, I reached my body goals or anything else, John always wanted me to be happy. Whenever I have set a goal for myself during the game, John would make sure that I set them goals and reached them goals. If I did not reach them goals, he would make sure that that my next game goals were reached because Sunday morning at four o'clock in the morning, I'm on the field working. It was something, it was something great. Like I said, I, I knew John. I played in the senior bowl with John, man. I mean, uh, yeah. Talico senior bowl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seen him around campus a lot. Always seen y'all together. So how was that, you know, losing your brother, man, and, and coping with his loss? Because, you know, if I saw John, I saw you. You know what I mean? Like I said, I never I never thought for myself. Yeah, and it's the first time I'm ever talking about that publicly. I never thought for myself. Everything I did was based off my brother. Everything I did was based off of his happiness and vice versa. So when I lost my brother, I was lost, you know, and most people don't understand that. I was real life lost, man. I, I, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I didn't know what my next move was, but I was truly lost. That was something that I just been able to cope with in 2019. And now I still have setbacks. It's just like you're going through a drug rehab program. I still have withdrawals where I can be asleep or I can go to sleep. That's why now I have such a bad sleep pattern because I can go to sleep and I'm like, dang, why is my brother dead? Why is this? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Especially with this the thoughts and the memories that I have of my brother murder it's terrible you know just to see someone you love get shot get killed get put in handcuffs and see them drown in their own blood is terrible especially you can't do nothing it's a tough situation so now I live with the pain but I have to make sure that I became a philanthropist and somebody who want to give back in love because when Jonathan passed I wasn't I wasn't always a good person I'll be honest with you I wasn't always a good 
I wasn't a good person at all. Um, but now I look at myself as a much better person. I, I really do. And it, it's real sad that everything that I worked hard for, you know, even when it came to the Sports Illustrated, you know, the ESPNs and the Showtime, I worked hard to get all that stuff and I got everything that I wanted. But the person I wanted to share it with, not here. So it's kind of pointless to me. So it's like, yeah, I did a cover of Sports Illustrated and the fights with ESPN and Showtime, but I'm not here to enjoy it with the person I want to enjoy it with. So most everybody else happy. But at the same time, I'm happy, but I can enjoy it to the fullest. Yeah. But like my brother John used to always tell me, everything is happy for a reason. Everything is part of life. So I just try to make sure I stay strong in front of everybody. But I, I have tough times. I'm human, you know? I really am human. And, and a lot of times people don't understand that. Everybody thinks I'm supposed to be happy all the time. You know, leaving a legacy, you know, for the people who come after you, you know, what, what do you think your brother's legacy was for you? And, and how do you carry that forward with you? Oh, man, no one ever asked me that question, dog. I really don't know. John don't want me to be happy. John don't want me to live my life and grow, man. Um, when it comes to me, a legacy being left, John always told me that my legacy was left, man. Uh, no matter if I die today or tomorrow, John always told me my legacy would be left because I had so many kids that want to be like me, which is unbelievable, man. Especially with the education background that I come from, with my parents. Man, I, I, I wasn't, I'm not supposed to be here, man. <laughs> I'm gonna be real with you. So my legacy is already set. No matter what nobody else say. Um, and that's why I feel like my brother always live on because as long as I'm here and I impact so many people's lives, especially children, man. So my legacy, my legacy already done. The transition from football to boxing. Yeah. When did you take boxing seriously? It's funny. And and my, probably my last time I'm going to talk about my brother doing this situation. 2012, 2013, John told me, he was like, listen, man, um, how many black owners you know in the football team? Because I, I can always fight. I was always good with boxing. My grandfather loved boxing. My brother, Derek, he loved boxing. Like, how many black how many black owners you know of a football team? I was like, none. Like, who? He was like, look at Floyd Mayweather. Look at Roy Jones Jr. Look at Bernard Hopkins. They're like, dog, you extremely smart. They're like, you don't need no one to do your paperwork. And I saw the money that was making. I'm going to be real with you. When it comes to boxing, you in a sport where you got to make a lot of money because you what you going to still then get hit for nothing. So he when he told me that in 2012, I said, man, I'm about to use family's facilities as much as I possibly can to get everything on, on track. So when I started doing that as an adult at 21, 22, I took boxing serious 100%. 100%. And that was my diet watching boxing, everything, 100%. And it really, it helped me out a lot. It changed my life. It really changed my life. How, how did boxing help change your life? What was it? Bro, 2012, 2013, I was homeless. I got through playing football. I gave up my scholarship. I was homeless, dog. Like, not like no, oh, I ain't got nowhere to, like, no, I keep that my mama. No, my mama didn't have nowhere to go. Um... I have I ain't I ain't have food to eat. I didn't have no transportation. I was homeless. 
2015, 2014, I was homeless. Like, real life. I had my backpack. I had a Jansport backpack after my brother got killed. So I, I got homeless. Went up to Charlotte. My brother got killed. I was up there. My brother got killed. And then I'm homeless. And my brother get killed. And I have no one to talk to. It was crazy. It was a tough time, though. It was crazy. Like, I was real life homeless. Like, that's that jump was crazy. I was like, I was upset with myself. I said, why did I stop playing football? Playing on the Earl Homes, I was, I did decent in football. I was grateful to be blessed with the talent that I had. I had a few teams that wanted me to leave my junior year and get drafted, you know, like Cleveland Browns, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Detroit Lions, the, the Indianapolis Colts, because that's a lot of teams that my coach played for. But I, I gave all that up uh, to live the dream. But I was, man, when I tell you I was homeless, so now it's funny not to switch topics. In my boxing gym, I own the gym now. Um, I own two gyms. And in my gym, I have a thing posted up that I never forget because my, my account was negative $157. And I never forget that job. Never. I was homeless. I was on Cover Sports Illustrated, homeless. On ESPN documentaries, homeless. Um... And, and it just it just made me a totally different person. Like it really brought the beast out of me, big time. Our podcast is titled "The Process Podcast." Process, um, baby. The process, the process. What does trust in the process mean to you? One thing I learned as a child: those who stay will be champions. And that's the same as trusting the process. If you can't trust the process, man, you're not really 100 percent dedicated. Just like anything in life. No matter if it's a relationship, if a relationship get rocky, you gotta trust the process. If goals get rocky, that's part of it. You gotta trust the process, man. Now I trust the process. I'm two things I'm real big on, loyalty and respect. And I always respect my brother John. I'm loyal to his words, even the words that he told me. I'm loyal to him. He told me that I will be who I am today. He told me that I would never have to worry about money. He told me I never have to worry about this, never worry about that. And this came to truth because I trust the process. It was tough big, to believe something with somebody who's no longer there who can't talk to you. But I done been through it, man. I done been, I been through, the, the, through the storms. And now I, I really understand to enjoy the process, not just trust it, enjoy the process, enjoy the failures, enjoy the, the setbacks, enjoy the pain, the suffering, the no's. Because that's the real thing that's really doing is preparing me for what I need to do. So looking back over your life so far and your career in boxing, uh, what advice would you give your younger self? Don't worry about what people say. My biggest thing. I always try to I always try to cater to everybody else. That's my biggest problem. I want to make everybody else happy. Even now, I, I want to make people happy too much. So I want also want to ask like a follow-up question, you know, what advice would you give to that that young person looking up to Willie Farrell? You know, what advice would you give to them to, so that they, like one day they'll reach their dream, their goal? Make a mistake and don't be afraid to make it. Make a mistake, dog. Make a mistake. At 25, you're not old. At 20 years old, you're not old. 30 years old, you're not old, dog. Make a mistake. Make a mistake because it's life. You're learning. You know what I'm saying? If I can tell, like, crazy thing, like, it's just one kid. And like I tell you guys, I'm very emotional. I don't, I'm not emotional in front of people. But I'm very emotional uh, by myself. 
And this one kid, man, at Fanny DRS, I'm not gonna share his name. I saw this kid, he's like, he was like in second grade and this junk like impacted me major. And I wasn't living good at the time. He saw me, I, can, I was living in South Florida, Pembroke Pines. Um, when I got my spot down there and he was like, um, I came to Tallahassee. And he told me, he was like, he was so shocked. He was crying to see me. He like gave me a hug, all this stuff. I'm like, man, it's, it's me, I'm a regular person. Uh, he said he saw me on TV and he bought my book when I was on cover of Sports Illustrated. And he was like, man, I want to be just like you. And I never heard that from no kid. And this kid, like in second grade, seven years old, I'm like, you want to be like, like I said to myself, you want to be like me? I'm living terrible. I'll tell you, I'm living bad. I'm living bad. Party, I'm living bad. Um, and if I can, and, and one thing I, I really wish that he understood and I can tell, you know, he wanted to be so much like me because this dude dressed like I dressed, act like I act, had a haircut that I had. And he was telling me he wanted to be like me so bad. And I told him later on, but if I wish I could have like not froze up during that moment, I just told him, man, just love yourself and be happy and don't care what nobody tell you, no matter who it is. Your mother, grandfather, grandpa, like no matter who it is, Love yourself, bro. Love yourself. Um, because that's going to take you much farther than anything else. Love and happiness, though. That's really going to take you far. So when faced with adversity, how does really Farrell handle it? So it really just depends. Um, my brother John, and I speak of my brother John a lot because that's all I knew until I was age 23. Um, John taught me to be mentally strong. Never show no emotions during the wrong time. Push through all the hard times and, and and remember your end goal. John, when I when I was seventh grade, and I, I John know I loved him so much, and vice versa. So and John loved me so much. But he always made sure I was mentally tough. When I, we played my freshman year, we played uh I was at Ole Miss play South Carolina and John called me he was like man trash terrible he told me like all the most negative things and I wanted to break down and cry and he was like man you uh, you done heard the worst things from me the person that you care about the most so anything that anybody said about you it doesn't matter and that right there just switched me to a whole different level so now when I deal with adversity I don't care what it is like man I know something good is going to come out of this yeah, my show didn't sell like he wanted to, but sound good gonna come out of it. Yeah, I didn't get a knockout like I wanted to, but sound good gonna come out of it. I try to look at the positivity in every situation. Um, COVID-19 hit. My gym, I lost 40 members of my gym. Um, so I lost a, a great chunk of annual income. But I looked at it as a learning lesson. Okay, now let's try to switch to something else. Let's go to virtual training. Let's go to this. I try to look at all the positivity out of everything. Okay, well, yeah, I done lost so many trainings, so many uh, clients, but uh, I wasn't as grateful as I should have been. So now let me be more grateful about the clients that I do have. So doing adversity, bro, I try to always make sure I go through it by learning through the positivity things, positive stuff. Try to understand that I got to trust the process. But it's not easy. That's not something that you're going to change overnight. It's not going to happen. Thank you, Willie, man, for taking the time out to share your story with us, man. Uh, do you have any lasting words that you want to leave with the listeners? 
not necessarily for the listeners, man. Really, with you guys, though, right now, it may not pop like you guys wanted to with this whole, you know, because I'm, bro, I don't, I don't watch television. I don't, I'm not being on social media. Like I was telling you, uh, Monte, I'm not being on social media. You can hit me up on social media. I was like, bro, text me. Yeah. Text me or call me because I'm very communicate. Like I communicate through that. But everything, I don't know the, the listeners, but everything may not pop like you want to, but I guarantee you, bro, in due time. It's not for no listeners, not for no one else. It's for you guys personally. I believe in you guys 100%. Monte, I told you, if I rock with you, if I if I know you, I would go above. Like, you didn't even tell me what the whole thing was about. You was like, hey, bro, we doing this. I, I'm going to be real with you. I did not read the whole message. You know what I'm saying? That's your <laughs> Be real with you. You told me that, hey man, are you interested in Blasey Blasey? I was like, hey, sign me up. You know what I'm saying? Because if I rock it, you're big on loyalty. So everything may not be going like the way that you want to, dog, but it's perfect. I'm glad that it's not because when you guys are ready for your blessing, it's going to come. Hey, we receive. Amen. And I'm telling you, bro, hey, it's going to come so good and hey, so big man. that you guys, you're going to be able to handle it. But at the same time, it's going to come so fast that you're probably not going to be able to digest it the way that you need to. And I'm, I'm ready for you guys to do that. And I'm grateful to be able to be in you guys' presence and happy for everything that you guys are doing and everything that's going to come. You guys some amazing brothers. And I appreciate you guys for even considering me. Um, and I, you know what I'm saying? All love, man, for, from over here, man. Anything I can always help with. No matter if it's to my boxing or with the, the other business bitches that I have, the restaurant and everything, I truly, truly will help you guys any way possible, dog, because I'm a loyal person and I love everything that you guys are doing and I love the Process Podcast. Hey, that's love, man. What that's could the, what, what could the listeners, you know, tap into uh, Willie Farrell and the movement and things that you have going on, especially fight, any fights you have upcoming or anything like that? Um, I'm a boxing promoter, man, so you can hit me up on SankofaPromotion.com, um, Willie, WillieJFarrell.com, or all social media, uh, Willie Farrell, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, anything. This episode was brought to you by Overcome Achieve Clothing. Allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge. Wear your truth. Overcome. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. Right? You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.